just to launch this conversation. This is our playground. They have spontaneous conversations. They don't plan this. I mean, there's actually something sort of spiritual about that. What's he do? He's a human being. <laughs> yeah, I'm a sexist feminist. We should be friends. <laughs> Hello, brothers and sisters. This is Rob K. coming to you live from the talkradio.nyc studios. This is the Rob and Callie Show. Welcome Facebook Live Stream. I'm with here, we're here with my friend Callie Alpert, my co-host extraordinaire. What's up, Callie? Good evening. You're back to looking at yourself in the um, in the video monitor. I'm following your lead. Me. So I just I always see you looking at yourself. I'm like, Callie, I'm no, over I here. I just can't help myself. And so yeah, you just get enamored by Facebook live stream. You're like, it's so incredible. We are broadcasting out to the world yeah. through video. I actually do dig it, but I enjoy making contact with you with eye contact with you as well. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Okay. Oh, here I am. I'm out of okay yeah i might have been silenced before this moment i think that's a hint uh-huh. all right okay well then you just take over maybe. all right go all right. do it do it do your thing so welcome to the show we really appreciate everybody watching listening um we're here every tuesday night eight to nine o'clock eastern time and um yeah welcome to the show we have a little light topic planned for tonight yeah it's kind of it's it's amazing that we haven't done this topic before given who we are what the show is and our personal experience with it it's it's when you said it to me the other day i was like oh you know i mean it's one of those topics that feels like we would have done it a very long time ago so yeah yeah so tonight we're going to talk about mental illness, yeah. just like everybody wants to talk about. Ooh, ooh. It's actually, I didn't realize this, but um, it was World Suicide Prevention Day on September 10th. Yeah, I, I had yeah, no idea. Serendipitous, so. So, yeah, because I brought this topic up to Callie the other day because I'm still upset about Chester Bennington passing away. I still cannot believe that he's not here, especially following Chris Cornell and the both of them killing themselves and the fact that we don't have them in the world anymore. And I really think it speaks loudly about mental illness and gets people's attentions. And Chester, just just because a lot of people don't know who he is, including I I don't know his name as a household name, Lincoln Park. Yeah, so Chester Bennington is the lead singer of Lincoln Park, which is one of my favorite bands and again he just sang at chris cornell's funeral mm. and then two weeks later he killed himself yeah so mental illness is a killer it's very pervasive and it is a killer yeah so but we it wanna, doesn't have to be right exactly so we want to talk about it tonight tonight to bring awareness to it to give support to people who have mental illness if you need help we're going to offer some suggestions for websites and, and numbers to call um just to start the show letting everybody know that cal and i are not professional Professional doctors. This legal disclaimer. We're not psychiatrists. We don't diagnose or treat mental illness. Yeah. Um, We just have personal experience with it. Right. Um, So, yeah, but not professional. So I just want to give a disclaimer to everybody. You know, we're not professionals in the medical field, but we are going to offer some help to people. Um, And the first thing I want to do is at the beginning of the show is offer the phone number to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It's 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. I bring this up also because Logic, who I've been telling Callie about and Sam at the station, other people, I love this kid. He performed at the VMAs. He's a rapper, songwriter. He's been around for several years, but he's really coming into prominence now on his own. And he has the number one song in the country right now. The title of it is the phone number that I just gave out. And the song is about suicide prevention. It's about getting support and getting help Mm -hmm. and not letting mental illness kill you. So it's like, God bless this kid. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's such a natural leader. And the fact that this song is the number one song in the country right now, I think speaks volumes as to people paying attention to this dilemma that's yeah, going on. Yeah, and, and it's, it is important, and right, God bless him for using um, his art to um, to give that a platform, mm-hmm. and also to be brave, because it's not the sexiest or most positive topic, obviously, um, but the fact that it resonates with so many people is also um, very sobering in how pervasive you know, mental illness, depression, and all the other versions that we'll discuss tonight are. You right, know? right. So I, I remember when... Um, I was talking to somebody about Chester Bennington the other day. I'm like, I can't believe he's dead. I can't believe he killed himself. And um, 
this friend said to me, when you don't face your demons, that's what can happen. And I think all of us, whether you suffer from mental illness, whether you have alcoholism, drug addiction, any sort of uh, compulsive disorder or any sort of thing in your life that is debilitating, there is an opportunity for us to grow through it and to get support to face our demons. It doesn't mean that we can eliminate it, but we can at least have some good life. Yeah. And there's also, again, and this is where, you know, like we could say a million times we want to tread lightly and really respect that there's so many different versions and levels of severity. Um, there's a lot of controversial information and opinions about how much we have control over, how much medication helps, how much is really relegated to our DNA and our genetics that we don't have control over. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes, to your point, there are so many layers of people that deal with, you know, challenges or depressive issues or compulsive issues or um, like you mentioned where if you um, get the right help, professional help, and do the work and allow yourself to dig deep, you can actually burrow through it. Hmm. And then there are people that are really, you know, more um, severe or biochemical cases where that's really what they're, you know, what this life may be about for them. Right. You know? Right. And dealing with a chemical imbalance, whether people use medication or meditation or whatever they found works for them, mm-hmm. it's about having the hope of a better life. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, Jack Nicholson said it as good as it gets where he goes into the waiting room and he's like, maybe this is as good as it gets, yeah. you know, and hopefully not. Hopefully it can get better and better and better. I say that on certain days, though. That's true. You were just saying that to me. Yeah. Yeah. So just an honest confession right well me too and i say to myself in my apartment or i'm walking around you know but i think we all can use hope from each other yeah um so where do we start to tackle this i wanted to talk about the fact that the just the the medical view of it which Mm -hmm. is that mental illness is a chemical imbalance it's a, a disease in the brain And by the way, alcoholism and drug addiction Mm -hmm. is a similar type of imbalance, I believe. I know it's either a lack of a chemical in the brain or too much of a chemical in the brain. So these are diseases that are physical diseases. Medical associations have found this out. So it's not a matter of willpower or pulling yourself up by the bootstraps. There is an imbalance going on that people need help with. Yeah, and also I think, and um, and we could get into the story a little later, one of my... um, darker chapters of my life when I lost a boyfriend to his bipolar disorder. Um, But I'll skip to the middle of the story, which is that um, when he was, after he first um, had his psychotic break and and we realized that there was a problem, you know, it was very um, difficult for him even to acknowledge, as it is for many people, and I remember saying to him, you know, when you had your knee surgery and you went to the doctor, I mean, it's the same thing. Your brain is an organ. And, um, and it deserves, you know, the same sort of attention as any other essential part of your body does. Mm -hmm. And I know for a lot of people, there's shame and embarrassment because it's always had a stigma um, attached to it that other parts of our body don't. Yeah. So I grew up suffering from depression. I had depression when, you know, I was very little. I think it was just a natural thing. You know, it's a genetic thing. There's, um, mental illness in my family and, um, I felt very ashamed about it. I didn't understand why I felt so down sometimes, you know. And I remember I had a high school teacher, Mr. Kaplow, and he taught us how to... Shout out to Mr. Kaplow. There you go. And he taught us how to have a journal, how to write mm-hmm. in a journal, mm-hmm. which, you know, I guess some people call it a diary, but but he called it <laughs> a journal. It didn't have a little lock on it? No, no, no. No, I guess he was, he was like trying lock. to, you know, make it more masculine for the guys uh-huh. in the classroom. Like, yeah, this like is a journal. Leather bound. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but I remember writing in that journal when I was in high school mm-hmm. and I was so depressed. And I think that journal saved my ass. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really helped me. I still do morning pages mm-hmm. and, and journals. I was journaling today. Um, But I remember feeling a lot of shame about it. And well through my life, I've dealt with depression and drugs really didn't work for me. I had to go the old-fashioned route with exercise and meditation and prayer and support groups and therapy and and, uh, diet changing things I ate, you know, and watching the sugar intake, stuff like that. And... um, and, you know, I, I've, it's just been a challenge, you know, my whole life. And then and then all of a sudden, it, like, I started to suffer from OCD. And that came in, like, when I was going through a very stressful time about um, 
I don't know, eight years ago or something. And it's like, it was just my brain finding another way to sort of, I guess, protect me from life or just with the stress that I was feeling because mental illness can be caused or triggered by a lot of different stress right. factors. Yeah, it could be in there chemically or in there because of some un, um, un, some old trauma that had, has never been worked on and then it gets triggered 10, 15 years later and suddenly your wiring sort of... What's the word I'm looking for? It erupts. Right, right. Because it's like I didn't grow up with OCD, really. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like, why am I so concerned about this? You know, and and so um, and it's funny because I felt like I was getting to like a much lighter part of the depression, and then the OCD kicked in. And it was like, you know, I know. So it was one thing after another. So it's just been for me like a real process but again getting back to the shame of it you know when someone has cancer people feel sorry for them when people have mental mental illness there's a stigma attached to it sometimes and people can shame people about it and i remember i think it was two years ago that bruce springsteen came out with his autobiography Mm -hmm. which i think um uh, publishing companies were waiting decades for him to write a book about his life and it was in the book that he talked about suffering from depression his whole life right. he had never really talked publicly about it before before that book came out right no and it's like i had heard other celebrities talk about depression but when i heard bruce springsteen i mean one of my heroes talk about the fact that he had suffered from this from the time he was a kid it just lifted a lot of shame for me and um I have a quote from him, that, him talking about... Bob has a lot of notes tonight. I do, I, because I'm... Notes. Re- I have no notes. I just... Well, I'm very passionate about this because this is a topic I relate to, yeah, you know? I'm, I, yeah. I'm so, but as far as depression, um, Bruce said, I always picture it as a car. All of yourselves are in it. And a new self can get in, but the old selves can't ever get out. The important thing is who's got their hands on the wheel at any given moment. Mm-hmm. So... That's kind of like how I feel about the depression that I've had to deal with, where I feel much lighter than I ever have in my life because I've done a lot of internal work and grieving and getting over traumatic situations and, and healing wounds and things like that. But there are still times where I have to pay attention to who's controlling the car, mm-hmm. you know, and like, oh, here I am feeling really f- sorry for myself or I'm feeling down about something. I need to go for a walk or call somebody or do something mm-hmm. to help myself. So. Mm-hmm. That's my own personal experience in a nutshell. So today you asked me if I, um, how did you ask it to me? I said, am I mentally ill? I just kind of basically. That's right. My co-host. So my co-host, I've never asked this. Actually, no, I never have really asked Callie straight out if she has any mental illness. I know at times we talked about you can be a little particular about your space or noises or things yeah, like that. Yeah, I have that. little things. Okay, little, but, yeah, but weird, you know, quirky things. is different. Mm-hmm. So, so I, yeah, I asked you just to get some clarity before the show. Yeah, and it's such an interesting, I mean, it's such an interesting question because it's so loaded and typically you know if someone is or isn't because there's a diagnosis or a label. Um, and, you know, but it prompted me to think about... Um, Um, You know, there's a variety of different ways that I can connect with it. It's probably for me more my awareness with mental illness is people that I've been around. Right. um, Having, you know, little uh, um, people around me with with depressive disorders as I was growing up. Um, My boyfriend who died um, at the hands of bipolar disorder. Um, Other people that I've dated or friends that I've had that have had um, suicidal tendencies at times in their lives. Um, or struggled with depression. So I think um, when we come back from break, I think um, we should talk maybe a little bit more about all the different nuances inside of some of these diagnoses because there's a lot of different versions of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll be right back. And welcome back to the Robin Kelly Show here on talkradio.nyc. Yes, we're dancing during the commercial breaks to sort of balance out the um, the gravity of our topic tonight, talking about mental illness, because it is a serious topic, even though, you know, ultimately, I guess we can all find humor in lots of dark, difficult things. That's right. right? Some of the best humor is from the darkness. It's true. It is. So. Right? That's why comics are, you know, so brilliant and, and predisposed to depression, right? But that's a whole other, that's a whole other show. Um, the comic say, show. Yes, that's the comic, sh- the, tom- the comic depression show. Um, so, first of all, anybody would like to call in with any questions, comments? 
comments, stories, anything you'd like to share, the number here at talkradio.nyc is 877-480-4120. We also want to um, just honor the fact that um, a few days ago on September 10th was National National Suicide Suicide Prevention Prevention Day. Day. Um, And so in honor of that, we just want to say outright that if anybody is struggling with any sort of dark, um, depressive, suicidal thoughts, there is help for you. It's imperative that you let somebody know how you're feeling. Um, If you don't want to talk to somebody who's um, familiar to you, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. That's right. And I also want to offer to anyone who's suffering or feeling down or if you need some support, you can go to a website, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. That's NAMI.org. Or you can go to helpguide.org. Those are some websites to help out. Yes. So, and I also wanted to acknowledge, uh, not to no, I'm shifting gears again, but I also wanted to acknowledge our Facebook Facebook Live friends and people out there. If my if I could see a little bit further, I could acknowledge everybody who's just joined us. But thank you because we appreciate your support always. Yes. Um, so before the break, we were talking about well, you 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 had turned the question on me earlier, and given that we've known each other for so long, part of like I laughed at the question, and I was like, I was like, wait, topic. you're not mentally ill <laughs> I know, because some might. Well, I, again, I don't want to. I don't. I don't. Wanna, I want to respect the topic, but I could make a lot of self-deprecating jokes right now. Right. Um, but that said, you know, it reminded me, like when I was, a, I've definitely had tinges of lots of things that I can connect with. You right. know, I have had. I definitely have a compulsive, perseverating mind. When I was a kid, I had weird kind of OCD habits and repetitive habits that I would do. That mm. just by the grace of God, I grew out of. Mm. Um, and I was like nervous. You know, I had like more probably anxiety. Then I got really damn normal once I went away to college. Something just changed. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, we can <laughs> and analyze, um, but but at the same time, like as an adult, you know, it I, was yeah, those dead shows. It was all those dead. All shows of a sudden, you're like, me. Ah, oh forget washing my hands. Yeah. I don't need to wash my hands. <laughs> um, well, that's a whole other topic because I just read something about microdosing today. Uh, that's a whole separate topic. We'll talk about that. What's micro? Time. Well, now you got to tell everybody. Small little um, uh, people are exploring with small versions, very very small amounts of. Of LSD for productivity, creativity to get in your flow, to raise yourself out of depress, you know, different uh, moods yeah. and bounds okay. in a very um, not in some hallucinogenic, right. psychotropic, crazy way. Mm. Um, but anyway, I digress. Um, so. We were talking about just the different nuances, you know. So I've gone through lots of, as we all have, lots of difficult um, chapters in life, um, you know. So I've experienced circumstantial depression and um, floating anxiety. And after my boyfriend died, the one that I referenced, um, who uh, was um, bipolar, um, you know, that was one of the darker chapters in my life. And I too felt shame about. I was struggling horribly with anxiety. And I felt like my body was sort of not all contained in the same body. I was kind of walking a few feet above the ground. I just could not get, you know, it was um, a very uh, indescribable feeling that was unfamiliar to me. Because I knew what being nervous or anxious was about. But I didn't know this version of anxiety. And it was very uncomfortable. And so I talked to my therapist about it. And she recommended that I go um, find some, you know, a psychiatrist to get some medication. And I was, I had a hard time with it. Judging myself and feeling like I don't want to be one of those people relegated to, you know, medication. And then what I learned is that, number one, it helps a lot of people. <clears throat> and I still have mixed feelings. So I'm not here um, necessarily supporting the idea you know or or denouncing it but it works for some people yeah um but at the time for me it was as it was explained to me resetting my thermostat similarly to what you said before about how your wiring just changed and you like after depression came ocd Mm -hmm. you know our brains are complicated organs obviously Mm -hmm. and often it's circumstances or emotions or outer um influences that change our internal wiring and then that manifests in different ways so I did for a year and a half. It was the best thing I ever did at that time, and it helped balance me out. And then I weaned myself off of them, and it was nothing. And I haven't looked back since. Right. Um, but you know, I th- just so uh, there's there's so many different shades. I think of all of these things we're talking about. You know, there's people that I, I was thinking about our show tonight, walking around the streets of New York City, and uh, you know, probably the majority of homeless people in the United States have some severe mental illness, and mm. they're not um, either they don't have the support system or they're not willing to 
to stay inside of care and take their meds, which is a whole other thing. Right. Um, and then they end up, you know, homeless and separated from their families. Mm-hmm. Um, so it runs the gamut between, you know, people that are high functioning um, and people that are not. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just important to make sure that however you're feeling, if you have a sense that maybe something's going on, yeah. that you seek um, some sort of professional help or you tell somebody rather than trying to self-diagnose or hide because you feel embarrassed or shamed by it because there are so many resources out there. Yeah. One of the things we talk about in the show a lot is expressing yourself and getting support, no matter what the details are, whether you have mental illness or not, or you just had a tough day, mm-hmm. just talk about it tell yeah. someone what's going on mm-hmm. i think um there's an expression i've heard we're only as sick as our secrets and it's like you know you don't have to let it fester in you you know let it out let someone know what's going on with you so that you don't feel alone the other thing is i was thinking about the correlation between mental illness and alcoholism and drug addiction and it's almost like which came first the chicken or the egg yes you hear about a lot of people that kill themselves but they were drunk at the time Mm -hmm. or they were overdosing on drugs or you hear about a lot of people that turn to drugs and alcohol because of their mental illness so it's almost like you could talk about all of it in the same conversation where we're dealing with the brain and like you said the brain is a complex organ and there are so many different versions of illness or dis-ease when it comes to dealing with your mind um I forget if I mentioned this before, one of the biggest things that's helped me with depression is exercise. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm on the self-care, the Rob self-care plan, which is... <laughs> oh, is that the 333? Yeah, yeah, it's meditating three uh-huh. times a week, getting to the gym three times a week, getting support of three kinds, therapy or whatever, and reaching out to friends. And, uh, and then also fun. Like I try and keep track of making sure to have fun yes. and to not take life so seriously. Yeah. What about you? What do you do when you feel down? Oh, goodness gracious. Well, tonight was a good Besides example. call me. <laughs> I only call you. That's the only thing I do is I just call you and call you and call you. Um, <laughs> what do I do? Well, you know, it depends. Um, you know, I... Because I still have to practice this. And tonight, even before the show, is a perfect example. Um, You know, uh, I've had a lot of challenges going on in my personal life lately. um, And so it's been really weighing heavily on my soul. And my body's really feeling it, too. And so it makes me keenly aware of making space in between those moments of feeling the shitstorm to um to find the joy the contrast becomes loud the need for the contrast becomes louder because i'm so keenly aware moment to moment now like stuff that's going on with my family and personal stuff Mm -hmm. um so uh sometimes you have to really just force yourself to do the opposite action right and we've talked about this in different ways along Mm -hmm. the way um, it would be before I come to the show because I'm always running early. Um, I go to a coffee place down the street and sit with my computer or pour over my to-do list or something like that. Tonight I heard some music playing in the um, you know near the subway station nearby down the block, and it's not hard for me to gravitate to music. I always do, so I'm not saying this was such a huge you know revelatory moment for me. Right. But I decided to go take a walk over there, and and um, and it totally changed my entire energy vibration mood everything yeah um because the uh band was amazing um they were playing some of my favorite songs that i didn't know they would play until i showed up there that was just a gift i talked to a few people that were lovely i watched i danced um i watched like really old people dancing and little young children dancing and that just put a smile on my face and it really shifted my energy so you know again in respect of people that are really struggling i don't want to compare me and my little moods and challenges to someone who's really struggling with severe mental um, illness challenges. And yet there's so many of us that live in between and sometimes it's just a decision to try to discipline yourself to find the joy. Right. And do something that's fun. And so I'm a real fun seeker. Right. Um, And yet sometimes you still have to remember to make a point of doing it. Right. And not get lazy about it. 
Yeah, and music is so powerful. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love music depending on whatever mood I'm in. I can find a song that really resonates with me. One of the reasons why I loved Linkin Park and I love Chester singing Linkin Park is he used to sing out the rage. And they say depression is anger turned inward. And one of the things that I would do when I was in a rageful mood or even if I was feeling down was I would put on some Linkin Park and I would sing out the Mm -hmm. rage. I would get the rage out of my body. Mm -hmm. That's why it's so ironic that this guy killed himself. Or is it? So let's go back to this because a lot of people speak to the very thin line between madness and genius. And, you know, and why is it that there's all these themes? And again, these are the public stories. So there's plenty of private people, you know, um, in the private sector that don't get um, the the recognition, for lack of of a better word. Um, But why does it seem that there's so many wildly talented artists and rock stars, let's just say, we're talking about these two, that that get drug addicted and take their lives? You know, why does that... Uh oh, he's getting uh, he's okay. picking his notes up again. Um, but what is that thread? You know, I, uh, years ago when I was working at VH1, we were um, I was working in the music uh, in the news department. We did a bunch of documentaries on bands that had been around and gotten fractured and broken up for different reasons. And so we broached this, and we used to have these conversations a lot. Um, but a lot of people would say that the madness and genius thing is almost interchangeable. Yeah, you know, people that are really hypersensitive and very open and very in touch with being a channel to um, art and beauty and nature and the God experience or whatever you know words you want to use mm. are also the ones that are the most fragile and their stars like their energy burns so brightly that they're not here on this planet as long right. maybe as other people are. That's right. You know? That's right. So I have a list. I made a list mm. of prominent celebrities who have passed away recently by suicide, alcoholism, or mm. drug addiction, or all of them. Chester Bennington, Chris Cornell, Kurt Cobain, Michael Hutchins, Robin Williams, Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, Prince, George Michael. Those are just some of the prominent names that I threw together today, but there are so many more that we go back decades, you know, Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix. I mean, there's so many yeah, different people. Yeah, the few, same few months, yeah. So it's like when you look at them, I think the one denominator that that sort of correlates with all these different people is that they were sensitive souls. Mm-hmm. And I was watching Whitney Houston's documentary. Um, it's called Can I Be Me? Mm. And she was such a sensitive soul. I mean, she was, you know, like a fun gal and, and loved to have fun and joke around. And, and she could be serious when she wanted to be. But she was so sensitive. And I think that one of the things that's helped me so much with depression and overcoming it and feeling lighter is I call it clearing a space for love and abundance to have a home. And it's healing those wounds. It's, it's getting out all the grief, all the, the dark, heavy feelings that we have in life or past lifetimes or whatever and the more that I get that stuff out the better I feel and the lighter I feel Um, but I still feel it because I'm sensitive so are you saying and again you know we don't we don't purport to really know these people or their the the innards of their stories but are you suggesting that maybe if some of the people even in this list had the proper time privacy professional resources well they had the resources if they chose to use them um, that maybe they would have been spared I don't know. That's such a good question. I mean, we can talk about this after the break. You know, what makes it where one person can reach out for help and the other person can. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to go to break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Robin Callie Show. Tonight we're talking about mental illness. Anyone who's feeling down, please feel free to call this number. It's a National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you're really feeling really down, the number is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. So we're talking about mental illness, and right before the break... Callie had a really good point she was trying to make, which is what separates people where one person with mental illness can get help and recover or alcoholism and drug addiction and what makes it where one person can't and they end up dying. Yeah. And also, what is it that makes some some people 
um, again, more relegated to a lifetime of struggle where other people are in the deep, dark, as I call it, like the K-hole because of a circumstance in their life. You know, I have um, a few people in my in What's my the K-hole? I call it the K-hole. K, K is, um, special K is that one of those horrible, like, uh, uh, designer drugs that people were doing uh, years ago. It's like a horse tranquilizer. Uh-huh. But for me, it's more of an, it's just a, it's an, um, a, it's a metaphor because I, I, I haven't tried it. Um but where you get into a place where you sort of can't move and you're just very um, inert and isolated and, you know, so I just, it's just an expression I sort of throw out and perhaps mm-hmm. too casually. Um, but I, um, hi, we have our, <laughs> our studio is getting full, fuller and fuller tonight. Um, so um, I feel like there's there's people that can pull themselves out of it and people that can't. So I'm you know thinking of a um, old friend of mine um, who was going through a very tough time in her life and really literally was in, like curled up in a ball for almost a year and couldn't eat and couldn't function. And this is somebody who, by nature, is pretty light spirited. So she had never been predisposed or like diagnosed with any sort of mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, and but when it was really really dark, you know, it, it just came down to like one you know trying to open the drape on her window or trying to walk across the room like very small things whatever it is just to try to make a little bit of a shift and change your you know change your um your you know your actions or pull yourself out and maybe it means not staying in bed one day right you know but again some people really can't do that um i don't know that i can speak to what determines the difference i just think it's levels of severity maybe there is a confluence of things where some of it's your um biochemistry and some of it is really your conscious choices right you know um you know i know people that have taken um, meds and then um, the meds didn't work and then they found other ways or gone off of the meds and they were better without the meds Um, I'm thinking of one example and this is important to share because I just as an offering for a new modality that I've been hearing a lot about for people that feel like they've hit sort of a dead end with their own um, challenges with depression there are now um, testing, gene gen- genomics, gene testing, where you can test your predisposition to different gene mutations that really determine how your body absorbs. I think it's vitamin B. I might be messing that up, mm-hmm. but it has to do with the way serotonin flows in your brain based on the way your body absorbs certain vitamins that enable it to do that. Most of our bodies just do that every day. Right. Um, so, like, I'm thinking of a family friend who literally, will, you know, um, in the twenty, the first twenty years of his life was in very, very dark depression with medication and tried a lot of different things and nothing worked. And then he finally went to a neurochiropractor um, that was recommended to him and his whole life. Those changed. good old neurochiropractors. Yeah, well, it's, it's, Everyone's got one, right? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone needs to have one. You know, it might sound a little bit on the, um, you know, alternative or progressive or esoteric side, but I'm telling you, this guy's life was changed. And these types of programs where you go, you're healing your gut. It's basically, you know, very extreme leaky gut syndrome, hmm. which for a lot of people deeply affects their yeah. um, their brain chemistry. Yeah. So I offer that up as something for people to check into if you feel like you don't have the right option. Yet. That's right. It not only affects yeah. your brain chemistry, mm-hmm. but your skin and other things. Everything. Well, all the, yeah, yeah, so the off label benefits. I know. I know. Yeah, so it's like, your gut. Yeah, you know, it's, we got to heal in all different ways yeah, of mind, body, yeah, and soul. Yeah. So I just um, I offer that because it's a miraculous story. Yeah. There's a lot of them out there. Someone once said to me that if I gave you my problems and you gave me your problems, I'd want mine back. Oh. And wow. I, I think that that relates to the idea that we all. What are you all, saying about me? We'll talk about it at the next break. It's too long to go into right now. So, but no, I think it's about that we all have our own evolutionary path. Yes. We're souls who've Mm -hmm. chosen this lifetime to learn whatever lessons. Mm -hmm. And that part of my journey is dealing with mental illness and dealing with depression and OCD and and anxiety. And, you know, it's so funny because people, when they meet me, they think I'm from California, not New York, because I'm so laid back. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm like, I'm actually nervous. Huh? Deep on the inside, he's swirling yeah, no, like a... I'm actually a nervous guy. That's the funny thing. Yeah, I don't think of you as a nervous person. Yeah, but it's like, if you only knew me on the inside. Yeah, so it's like, yeah. but ever since I was a little kid, I was really nervous mm-hmm. and I was anxious. Mm-hmm. And But I guess I have this whole outward appearance where people think, you know, I'm this California dude. But anyway, so 
part of our evolutionary path is facing our demons and facing the challenges that we have and trying to improve in whatever ways we can. Now, I was talking with a friend of mine today about this topic, and we didn't get into a debate, but it was getting close to it, where we were trying to figure out mental illness. And I said to her, we're not going to figure out mental illness. Figure it out how you mean? In the sense, she was trying to go by the the idea that um, certain people are just hopeless, and it's mm. so sad, and there's mm. nothing that can be done. And I was explaining that there's always hope. Yeah, there is and, always hope. And that even someone who's paralyzed by it, or they can't get out of the house, or whatever it may be that if they get into enough pain they're going to get some help or they're going to get some support and and i just i believe this is my own personal belief system that the universe always has a way for things to get better it may not be as better as we want right, it or to as be better as another person's better or as soon as we want yeah. it to be but it can get better yeah. and part of that is um and one of my wise mindfulness buddhist friends said to me recently you know you have to decide um when you're done suffering you yeah. know, the day has to come where you just want to choose not to suffer anymore. And, and again, that uh, often applies to a lot of us that are, you know, um, in the middle or where, where it's not as um, diagnosable, where you're not in some like, de- like a real severe diagnosis of a mental illness, um, but where there's more room to make some choices. Right. Um, and well, it is, it's a bottoming out of a different sort, really, you know. I mean, I have a lot of people around me that just are more comfortable in the negativity or in the depression or in the darkness because that's familiar to them. And somehow they um, function more with that familiarity than they do with the choice of choosing to find a way to climb out of it. Right. They define themselves by that. And it becomes, uh, and not, it sounds judgmental, but there's almost a self-indulgent quality to it for a lot of people. There's some others in the room nodding their heads. So I guess I'm not, you know, I hope I'm not generalizing or too much. Um, Well, I think it's about what people are comfortable with. Like you said, even if it's negative, they they get some sort of benefit from it. And eventually, what did they, what did that, that expression, pain is necessary, but suffering is optional? So it's like pain motivates us to make changes and to outgrow things right. and grow through right. things. But sometimes it takes it. a lot of pain yeah. for people to get help. Yeah, it's not it's not fun. It's not fun. The other thing I'd like to do is speak to those that are around people that are struggling with mental illness. You know, I've been in that position a few times. Um, most it's yeah with family members and with uh, lovers. And um, like I think about Chris, my boyfriend that I referenced, the one that passed away um, almost exactly fifteen years ago um this is the first time i haven't really talked about him publicly really um Mm -hmm. i think it took me that long you know first of all i wanted to be respectful to his story and his family but that was the shame even in me as his partner Mm -hmm. um so without going into the whole long story just in the name of time um you know we knew each other through work and this was someone who was a very genius creative soul and probably one of the two purest souls i've ever met on the planet Um, and just, yeah, I can't say enough good things about the beauty of him and how he was made. Um, and then 9-11 happened and he went off, he actually physically saw some of the the repercussions of that. I don't have to get into the macabre details. And he had a psychotic break. Now I had no knowledge of what any of this was at the time, which is why I'm offering it up. Um, he started isolating himself it was not after 9-11 so a lot of people were talking in conspiratorial ways so I thought oh wow maybe he's just really tapped into the universe and he's really spiritual that the UFOs are telling him that it's only going to get worse or you know whatever the the conversations were that we had and there was a part of me um, for lack of a better word that sort of romanticized it um, because I didn't know he was in pain and I didn't know that there was anything diagnosable going on yet. And it took me a while to wake up. Then he started isolating more and then he started talking in more paranoid ways. And this was a very different person than the one that I'd known for two years. So, mm-hmm. and this was a guy who was at the time in his early to mid thirties. So, um, I didn't have any frame of reference for this and there was nothing obvious. I just knew he was made differently. He was a creative dude who was offbeat and right. you know, a few parts of his brain were made a little differently that made him dynamic and charismatic and pretty you know delicious then the movie beautiful mind came out and i went to that movie by myself that's where russell crowe it's the true story of russell crowe and the is a harvard professor the math professor um and i saw um certain moments of his madness that i could liken to what i was witnessing with chris doing as he was hiding in his apartment reading history books and the bible and all these things and i thought i was by myself and i thought oh my gosh and it woke me up 
Like mm-hmm. that's how kind of not aware I was. And from then it went from there and he, you know, jumped in the car and did these, the, the road trips to go chase, you know, uh, the aliens by the side of the road. And I don't mean to be flip, but like those are the kind of conversations. He basically left his family, left his apartment, left his business and jumped in a car one day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it went from there and it was a very, you know, just uh, trying to rescue him from, you know, um, in the middle of a highway in Kansas and having to wake his family up to what was going on mm-hmm. because I was the most aware of it. Um, and I offer this because uh, ultimately what happened is, you know, he came back and we, we did try to get him the proper psychiatric and physical help. But back to what you said earlier, I didn't know that he was a drug user. I had no idea that he was using cocaine. He was a very functional guy and a successful business owner. And I saw him eat and I saw him sleep and I saw him, you know, not be skinny and, you know, um, and I didn't know. So um, I speak to everybody out there that might be around people that are in varying, you know, observing this in varying degrees with your loved ones, that um, it's something to pay attention to. And if you have a gut feeling that something's off, even if it's way more subtle than what I'm describing to you, it's worthy of um, checking into yeah yeah and it's like if you're confused or you you just don't know the warning signs to any of these Mm -hmm. diseases mental illness drug addiction alcoholism you know just go online and google Mm -hmm. it there's so many different resources now where you get information about it and what we're trying to do tonight is just bring some awareness to this topic we're not trying to solve this it's it's just too big of a topic really to even discuss in one show just to discuss it is the point it is and just to have people you know maybe someone you know in in, um in nebraska is listening to the show or maybe someone in another country where they don't really talk about this stuff and they're hearing about mental illness for the first time really as a disease as a treatable disease and this is like big news to them you know then we've done our job to try and be of service to the community again what we try and do on the show is talk about topics that relate to everybody you yeah, know and that, and that are uncomfortable or that people don't want to talk about that's right. And if Callie, you ever have a topic Cal- you want to talk about, send it to us. We'll talk about that's it. That's right. Callie always brings up topics with me I'm uncomfortable <laughs> with, but I like it. It's, it pushes me Do out I? of my... No. no. It, <laughs> I was say, actually, actually, it's probably <laughs> vice versa. But no, it pushes me out of my comfort zone as well as her. So we're going to go to break. When we come back from break, we'll talk about some takeaways, some suggestions for people to help out. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Robin Kelly Show here on talkradio.nyc. We're also streaming live on Facebook Live, and we welcome everybody who continues to support us and our, our new listeners and viewers. We always appreciate you, so thank you. Um, we're talking tonight about the varying faces of mental illness from our non-professional but extremely empirical, experiential standpoint. Um, so, and uh, before the break, well, we were talking, we've covered a lot of ground Right, madness, mm. genius, the different varying during shades the, of yeah. Okay, yeah, that's right. Break. During the break, we were getting dating. into Callie's dating life, which <laughs> we includes mental room. illness sometimes, <laughs> and that's why she's not on Tinder anymore. <laughs> now she's going to Bumble because she's found that those people have been diagnosed and treated fairly well. <laughs> yeah, so you know maybe that's a new di- dating site for. In maybe. fact, do you put that in your profile? <laughs> Some of the pros and cons yeah, of people I'm, that I'm looking for. I'm such an online dater, but whatever. That's um, right. But, you know, one, one other thing I wanted to say that's, um, you know, on the other side of uh, the um, the um, continuum is that, you know, there's people that are very extremely, um, that have severe mental illness, and we were just talking about this during the break, um, that live very, you know, functional, thriving lives um, that are on medication and are committed to taking it. Um, and often that's the that's the distinction, especially with like bipolar disorder and with schizophrenia, is that a lot of people don't take their medication just to make that commitment or to get them to have that discipline right. um, or that you know willingness is is most of the problem. And then there's people that do and thrive and are perfectly fine. So right. um, yeah, and, and then there are people like me where medication doesn't really right, work, exactly. and you have to find alternative right. ways or go back to old fashioned methods like exercise and meditation and basic therapy where you're dealing with emotional stuff Um, and even alternative methods of healing I found to be helpful you know some healers out there I mean they can really change your energy and change someone's dilemma whatever they're going through because that's the other thing too Um, I was recently talking to somebody about this you know the idea of 
um, it, it's a scary thing to think about playing with with the cocktail of medication if that's really what you've been relying on for so many years to keep you feeling steady and centered. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's certainly not something to play with on your own um, in most cases. Um, but it's also there's a <coughs> it's tough to find the opportunity to do that because it's scary. You know what kind of how, how much do you want to experiment and then if it doesn't go well, I'm saying even under the care of a doctor, you never know what's going to happen. So, um, yeah, what was my point about that? I just think that, uh, yeah, it, it works both ways, Mm -hmm. but to your point about healing, that's not something where it's, it, you can't go wrong with it Mm -hmm. and you can potentially go right with it. And often it can be a very powerful way to realign your whole cellular history or ancestral trauma, your depression, um, difficult situations you've had in your life. And, you know, just by laying on somebody's table, um, and just being receptive, you can have your life changed. Yeah. People are lucky like that. It does happen. Yeah. Yeah. Or it can at least alleviate yeah. some of the, the pain or the heaviness you're feeling and yeah. bring you to a lighter place. It's like maintenance in a way. It's yeah. like I call therapy going to the gym for our emotions. So sometimes healing can be the same way where yeah. it, it just changes the energy. Um, the other thing is when I'm feeling down, a lot of times I go to YouTube. I look up Abraham Hicks videos. Those always make me Esta, feel better. I love well, Esther Hicks. That can always brighten my mood. Um, you know, uh, just looking at comedy always makes me feel better. Music always makes me feel better. Mm-hmm. Calling a friend, being with somebody that you love, and just like, I cut you off. I'm sorry. No, no, just. that's that's another suggestion. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, you know, reach out for support. Get a hug from somebody. You know, uh, meet up with or a, friend. a little more than a hug. That's right. You know, what I'm saying You're really lucky. That's you know a little sexual healing. A lot. As, as Marvin talked about, good. that always yeah. helps you feel better. Yes, it does. Um, and then you know, there's there are things like podcasts. Like there's a podcast now called the the mental illness happy hour. And, uh, it's this guy who talks about mental illness on every episode. He has guests on who talk about it and something like that can make you feel like you're not so alone in the world. Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest challenges for people with mental illness or suffering from any problem is they feel like they're alone. And I think our main message tonight, if I can speak for Callie is you're not alone. You do all the time. Go ahead. Yeah. You're not alone. (laughs) (laughs) i I pissed him off because it was a bad moment for me to do that no Um, no no, do you want to share the number one more time since we're yeah so the uh actually some other resources so the phone number for the national suicide prevention lifeline which also is a song right now by logic that's out check it out on youtube go to youtube and look up logic mtv vmas great performance of the song um, but Logic, na- open invitation to be on our show because we're going to boost listen, your followers. That would be great to have him on the show. Uh, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. Also, the National Alliance on Mental Illness is NAMI, N-A-M-I dot org. And then also mm-hmm. you can go um, and get information for treatment at help guide.org right and um, NAMI I think is um, statewide uh, you know state specific also oh okay I think great I'm pretty sure there's local um, state offices great yeah. yeah or there's one in we know that yeah at least there's one in New York City for sure but there's there's definitely in, in, in a variety of different states as well right so how do we want to um how can we uh, what can we share i think we need to i think we're all done i think everybody's healed is everybody in the room healed i feel healed are we good i I think i don't know how much more we could talk about um i think that it would be probably nice to offer a few takeaways to again to the varying degrees of um mental illness and challenges with depression right right so maybe you know i mean i can speak to again like i i know what it's like without ever having been um, diagnosed with a you know with a proper um, mental illness, um, I definitely, as a sensitive person and as someone who has felt a lot and experienced a lot, know what it's like to walk on the teeter on the abyss where sometimes you wonder if you're going to fall in or not. Right now, me for me, I'm blessed in that I haven't. Somehow, I do have something in my constitution that always reels me back, and I just I don't take any credit for that. I just think that's by the grace of God that that's in there. Mm. Um, but I do know what it's like to struggle with all the things that make you feel like you're teetering. 
Right. And I think that some of the things we can offer that uh, we're just being a little um, uh, redundant about some things we mentioned earlier are just anything for making sure that you reach out to people, that you have a sense of community. If you feel alone and you feel embarrassed or you feel shamed, go to a professional. If you feel like you don't have the money for it, there are um, social services in each of your respective cities or very nearby that do it for free or for on the cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, but you might have to do, you know, maybe enlist a friend to help you find those resources if you're not in the headspace to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's circumstantial, know that it's going to pass. Sometimes it's as simple as just taking a, a walk outside your front door and asking your higher power to change your day and the right person shows up and gives you the right smile in the right moment. I've, I've experienced it countless times. Right. You know, um, it might just be about seeing the sunshine or the smile on a little kid's face. Right. And that sounds all rainbows and unicorns, but it really does have a palpable effect on your chem- your body chemistry. Right. Um, you know, if you're in shitty circumstances or you're unemployed or you've broken up with somebody, you know, all those things that we can all speak to that we've all experienced, you know, um, again, I think it's a matter of finding the right support for yourself, whether it's healing or meditation or yoga or a friend or a nice glass of wine, not too much, or, um, you know, the right therapist or the right sense of um, hope or faith or, you know, I mean, there's so many resources out there. Um, go ahead. I want to, I don't want to, I don't want to monopolize. You want to speak to more of the extreme? I think versions? it's, a, I think it's about doing something different today than you did yesterday. Yeah, yeah, so it's about yes. making a change. You know, if nothing changes, nothing changes. So it's about calling someone when you usually want or going for a walk when you want to mm-hmm. isolate in right. your house or taking that class that you've been thinking about taking. You always beat yourself up that you don't take it. Um, or, you know, maybe go get those tickets to that band that you really want to mm-hmm. see, like change things right. up. Go do something by yourself, even if, if don't use that as a reason not to do something. Right. Right. And also, you know, if you're feeling really down where you can't even, that stuff seems too big right now, do anything differently. Right. Anything differently. If it means walk into your house a different way, you know, just try that. Also, I just want to bring up meditation because I have a clients, I usually ask them, do you meditate? And they kind of look at me like a kid who didn't do their homework. And I'm like, meditation <laughs> is just sitting still for five yeah. minutes. That's meditation. Sitting still for five minutes and paying attention to your breath. Right. So if you haven't tried that ever, try that. Right. That may help you. Right. Especially that's a key. Meditation to me is the answer to a lot of major problems on this planet. I really, really believe that. I, I think it's a magic wand sort of panacea thing. I really, really do. Um, but especially with people that are dealing with mental illness, if it's um, a more manageable version of it, because so much of it has to do with what's in your head, meditation helps you get out of your head and into just a, and create a space around your your thoughts and your um, compulsions and your obsessions or your anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's just a, it's a medicine for j- just getting quiet and creating a space and a softness around what you're struggling with. And so I really do believe it's sort of an instant magic. Well, mind. if we're, if we're connected to the universe and there's a part of the universe or higher power, whatever inside mm-hmm. of us, it's connecting to that power that can heal lots of different yeah. things. So it's about actually taking the time, giving your mind, body, and soul the time to not only connect with that energy, but possibly heal right. connecting to that right. energy. And then if you're in a more extreme place and you're feeling extremely depressed, um, God forbid suicidal, but don't feel alone because there's millions of people that have been there and they've walked through it, get the right resources. You can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-8255. Seek out help. Talk to your family. Don't worry about being judged. Ask a friend. Talk to a stranger. Tell somebody. Right. Tell somebody. And, and if you're listening to this episode and you feel really depressed and you feel hopeless and you feel like no one cares. I want you to know that I care. I want you to know that Callie cares, that we care here at the station, and we care in general about everyone who's Mm -hmm. listening. And just to reach out for help, just ask for help from somebody, or at least tell someone what's going on. You are not alone. Amen to that, definitely. Um, and also, just quickly, if you're somebody that um, is watching somebody suffer or you're feeling a little questionable, if in your gut you feel like somebody's acting a little bit different, uh, make, get, do some research, get some help. Yeah, definitely. So with that, this is the end of another episode of The Robin Callie Show. Thanks for listening, y'all. Take care. Bye. Thanks, everybody.